Yeah, I am the one exterminating sun. I fall back, but I in the world. Break through the ditches and burn through the riches and drive in the back of my drag you love. Burn through the bitches and plow through the wishes and slime in the back of my drag you love. Yeah. irritating which dot oh boy I should do it right there we go send tweet send Dragula tweet. I've sent the tweet to Dragula. Come on, get up. Down with the sickness. You about to get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Fucking get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Open up your head and let it flow into me. The sickness around you. Ready to die. Remember that? Richard Cheese? Does anyone remember Richard Cheese? Anyone remember... When the funniest thing you could do was a lounge cover of a rap or uh, new metal or old metal type song. It was a great time. Yo, Melinda, hit my line. Melinda, hit my line. Hell, Bill hit my line. That's a lot of money. I mean, I know what I would want to do with it. Mostly incredible pranks. Just like next level pranks. Like fucking with entire, like, Towns realities, doing sort of uh, guerrilla Truman shows on not a person, but on an entire area. Like overnight, four in the morning, you fucking put the dome from under the dome or the Simpsons movie over a small town, and then you film what happens. That's what you could do with Bill or Melinda Gates's money. So 
So I'm kind of getting back a little bit to talking a little broad theory stuff here because I'm trying to work things out for projects and for, you know, my own understanding. And I really do feel like the best format I have found for kind of getting things clear to myself as a first pass is by coming on here and talking. So I realized that a lot of what I might say coming up here is just kind of tautological. Like it doesn't really actually explain anything. It's not, it's not necessarily uh, uh, meaningful that it's, kind of just a, a descriptive paradigm. Uh, and if that's the case, that's fine, but it's a useful paradigm, I think, for me in contextualizing, you know, the big questions which any kind of uh, theory is supposed to deal with, which is, you know, how do I respond to the world around me? Like, that's really the point, is you're supposed to know, how am I supposed to respond to the world around me? And I feel like this this is sort of a framework that, uh, help should it seems like it might be able to help me with that, and I don't know. I wanted to run it by. So I want to talk today about the role that belief, faith has not in the, not on the left, not in socialism, but in capitalism, and in fact, under all systems of uh, of hierarchy and civilization that we've ever had. So. What compels people to participate in an exploitative social arrangement is not mere force, right? It is social coercion through hegemonic concepts. And what that means is belief. What that means is is that you choose to do things because you believe certain things about the world. You, what I mean mean by belief is you are acting on faith on the assumption that a fictive thing will persist, that a fictive notion will persist. And throughout human history, what that fictive notion meant included a whole bunch of things that were all socially related to one another. The individual is one of them, and that's important to note, that the individual is the first fiction. It's the first fake thing we believe in is the idea that there is a, a uh, persistent, coherent, individual identity traveling through time and space that we are. Uh, that is the first fiction. Now, how much we believe in that and how we uh, relate to that concept is determined by our social around surroundings and the social the nature of our social, the social life we find ourselves embedded in. And so that means that for most of human history, the self was only one of, was one of many things that we all believed in. God as a, as a personalized concept is something a lot of us believed for a long time. Uh, the, 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 the idea that there is a supernatural transcendent element to the world that can be, uh, perceived not rationally but emotionally, uh, that is something that makes people go along with uh, machineries of of oppression 
but also production. Also, you know, all the good things that we get out of society, all the stuff that allows us to thrive, all, all the stuff that allows our individuality and the uh, people around us that we have emotional relationships to, uh, to thrive. And so one of the things we believe in is that the structures around us serve that purpose. And our willingness to go along is determined by our degree of belief. Now, a lot of that belief, if we're at the top end of the distribution of resources and pain, like the least amount of pain, the most amount of resources, believing in it is very easy because it gives us all benefit. If we're on the shit end of the stick, believing in it is harder. Uh, and when you're in the middle, of course, you're in the perilous, precarious zone where, uh, where believing in it is a daily struggle. But that material part is only only part of it. There is a, a a mental structure, a notion of the world in your head that validates the system that you live under. And the, the history of the collapse of social systems is partially the story of belief collapsing. Belief in the, uh, the legitimacy of these systems. Because the legitimacy of the systems comes in contact with our other, uh, the other fictions that we uh, believe in, like the self, like uh, our religious concepts, whatever cosmology that we've, we've uh, created to determine right from wrong, to determine, to, 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 to rank uh, experiences from preferable to, to avoidable. And when those come in conflict, conflict our belief in that, uh, leaves a hole, which causes our willingness to invest in the system uh, to reduce and a vicious cycle that ends up seeing energy directed outward, seeing the system collapse, and seeing new notion, new ideas and new structures emerge with new validations and new fictions that everybody uh, can agree on, or at least can over time be sort of colonized into believing it. And that's, that's throughout history. But then when you get to capitalism and the individual, then when you get to the modern era, you have, for over time, what has happened is, is that those other things that are in there, in the social world, in the social fiction, alongside the self, the individual, they go away. And the process of capitalism is the, is the process of those things going away faster and faster as market relationships overawe the, the uh, social and as that and as our lives become more and more isolated thanks to technology of separation and uh, and capital flow and so while the, the beginning uh, and the beginning of capitalism is of course with the primacy of the individual and by now we've reached a critical point where uh, the only thing we have left to believe in is the self and that the crisis of liberal capitalism or liberal capitalism in America, you know, it's, it's, it's unequal in a combined development. I'm talking about where I'm from, what I'm used to this, this end stage system that we're finding ourselves in this decadent Western uh, hegemony that seems to be losing its stamina and, and reason for being. And the reason for that is that, once the key, once the when the individual and capitalism emerge as the primary notions, they're intertwined. Because if the individual is the only thing that you can believe in, 
then the only way that the individual can thrive is in a system defined by uh, market transactions between strangers, because it's the only thing that doesn't require some sort of trust, some sort of bond beyond uh, recognition of uh, like someone in a similar right category of human humanity or whatever, or citizenship. And absent that uh, feeling of, of connection, it has to be a transaction. That's the only relationship that can be registered as uh, not dangerous because it's supported by the state, because it's, it's validated by force that's transcended from any of the individuals within it. And so that, that reality creates a belief in capitalism. But here's the important distinction. We start believing in capitalism once it emerges from an individual perspective, not as uh, the validator of a system but as the deliverer of a result. We believe in capitalism for the utilitarian observation that it allows for the individual to be, uh, to be actualized. And so belief in capitalism, which exists and which undergirds the entire system from a social point of view, is dependent upon a belief in the result, in if I agree with this framework, if I agree with this, uh, this political economic arrangement, then I will be able to thrive. And the reason that America was sort of able to conquer the world is because it was able to take capitalism and apply it to a massive swath of despoilable and uh, uh, alienatable resources that could be distributed to a greater and greater circle of people within this, the, the, the definition of citizenship and therefore bolster faith, belief in the system because it gets results. It's a cargo cult. It gets results. Why, how, no one really knows, but it gets results and it's the only thing compatible with individualism. And I think our current crisis is the totalization of disenchantment. Nobody at any point get uh, of uh, participation in American capitalism believes in it anymore. They don't believe that the system can give them consistent results. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't believe in an abstract notion of the market. No, because many of them identify their individuality with that market. What they disbelieve in is the notion of uh of the of the democrat the liberal democratic model liberal small small l liberal democratic model of participatory democracy delivering capitalist uh uh outcomes now of course that's not the case but they don't they reject that they they have a false understanding of that that's part of their fictional belief system But every strata of American society is being confronted with the fact that they can't get what they uh, have been promised from capitalism. Now, at the poor end, what that leads to is a disengagement from trying. Uh, people in uh, the fucking uh, – people in school reform love to talk about grit. 
They love to talk about the difference between a, a kid who succeeds in a uh, bad school with a, with a, uh, a downwardly mobile social milieu uh, and one who doesn't is grit. And what that, they mean by that is a willingness to, to stick with things. And I, I think that what you see at the bottom end of the distribution of resources in, in Twilight America is a recognition that there's no reason to try because there is no reason to believe that there will be an outcome that uh, values that effort. So why try? And so that leads to paralysis, stagnation, deaths of despair, drugs, not all those things. In the middle strata, it leads to people losing their commitment to the political uh, uh, framework of liberal democracy, one way or the other. A willingness to try to accommodate a broad uh, uh, political milieu because they think that's the thing that's caught, that's making it not work. There, there's no reason to believe in a system because it cannot provide the political outcomes that they expect. And so that's how you get uh, politics dividing broadly into uh, fuck your feelings, fascist conservatism in terms of its emotional valence. I mean, it's not fascism, but like a, 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 a an exterminate the brutes, fuck your feelings, rejection of, uh, of the commons on the, on the right, and then kill the hicks. Uh, uh, neo um, eugenics on the on the liberal left because they've both given up on the project, and then in the at the top in the political class, and then in the the like the real ruling class of of finance and shit, and and Silicon Valley, you have a disenchantment because. At the top of capitalism, as capitalism accelerates and as the secular stagnation persists and as the, the, rate, of, the, the, the rate of profit continues to decline, there's less and less uh, given the system for discretion uh, by managers, both in the political and in the business sphere. What po- power is defined as is discretion, the ability to choose to do one thing and not another thing. And that really is a luxury of the human pilots of capitalism to get to imagine themselves exercising power by making choices. And those choices have effects and they go down through the system and they shape its direction, uh, but in a narrow band. And over time, as capitalism maintain, uh, continues its, uh, its totalizing force, eventually that, that range of uh, discretion of rule of power is shrunk until you don't get to make choices anymore. And so there's no reason to invest in the, the game of power except for the most very narrow personal uh, reasons. Like, you can't even believe this bullshit. I truly believe that our political elites, until very recently, believed a lot of the horse shit about America. They believed it at a visceral level because they were part of a system that rewarded their effort, that rewarded their power and discretion by n- changing and moving at their at their command. Now... They are feeling more and more as though they are instruments of something beyond themselves. And so that makes them less uh, invested in, in caring about uh, 
uh, anything other than the most narrow because this is the real kick to the dick of the whole thing is that in previous societies and social orders, this decline of belief in the ruling elite, ruling ideology and the ruling structures might well lead to people trying to find something else, some other forms of power emerging. And of course, you know, they're going to have their own hierarchy, but they're going to move things along dialectically. We are now at a point where people have stopped believing in the uh, system as such, and they're blaming somebody for it. You know, if it's QAnon, if it's online communists, if it's uh, 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 woke people freaking out about white supremacy, uh, uh, if it's liberals worrying about Russia, everyone believes that the experiment is failing, and that they don't, and they don't believe that effort will be uh, rewarded with anything. So that cheating and uh, and disengagement are the only rational things, because the of the totalizing nature of capitalism, that disenchantment is only going is only recuperated by self by the self. We used to believe in a system as a delivery mechanism for the self so that we could plan a life around engagement with the system. Now all we have left is ourselves. And so we our thinking becomes incredibly short term because we know we don't know that tomorrow any of the systems that we have today are going to give us anything. But we do know what we want. We think we know what we want in the moment. And we know we think we know how we might go about getting it. And so we engage with the world to get that narrow quick, soothing boost of uh, that, that dopamine hit, that serotonin bump, whatever it is that gets us through the day. And capitalism, because at this point, so much of its mechanisms are now technological and don't even require us to engage with them or believe in them because they operate independently, are still churning and producing pleasures and producing distractions for us to engage with and to game the system to uh, get, act, to get, gain access to. And so there is no next step there. There is no counter form. There's no, uh, there's no antithesis developing to this. We are only turning into uh, self into self self uh, pleasure seeking machines, which is exactly what the fucking machinery of te- uh, technology of uh, capitalism wants. If we're only self seeking, if we're only seeking closest pleasure to ourselves, we have no belief in any social fiction beyond our, uh, the reality of our ego. Then the technological uh, mechanisms of capitalism can lead us around by that. Oh, we know what you like. We have the algorithm. We know what's pleasure for you. We know what's pain. We can threaten you with one and offer you the other. And even though we never have to really give you anything, we can keep you moving. And so the and so instead of us getting uh, any kind of class consciousness or species being awareness, what's coming to self awareness is the fucking money. What's coming to self awareness is the fucking algorithm. We are becoming unaware, more and more unaware. And that's why the only antidote to this, 
the real antithesis that will develop will have to be have to begin with a revolution in belief, a breaking of the solipsistic cycle where our disenchantment with the, the horrible brutality and, and unfairness of the system that we live in leads us only to further reify our own egos and try to protect them. A, a, tra- a transcendence of that cycle where we are connecting ourselves emotionally, we are believing in, as in stuff that we can't know, we are believing in the solidarity with other people and finding that our actions in accordance with solidarity feel both self they feel like they're for our own good but not in the destructive selfish way that our uh, individual pursuits are we still do it not because we want to be good not because we have the the uh, Puritan American superego slapping us in the ass saying, no, you have to be a good person, which is currently what drives a lot of people to be on the left right now. It will be a actual felt emotional uh, commonality of interest with somebody else. So like I said, I don't know if that's actually like means anything, you know, but I do think that it does – if you use think of it that way, it helps you understand uh, exactly what the stakes are with a lot of these uh, questions, the political questions we, we, we deal with. We think we're looking at a political contest, but we're really – a meaningful political contest, but we're really looking at a cultural ritual of self-affirmation. Today, uh, the, the other day, there was the CIA woke uh, uh, recruitment video. And, of course, it caused a huge uh, torrent of discussion about what does this say about the left and liberalism and all this stuff. Uh, and people say this proves that the left is culturally hegemonic. And, and what does that mean? And are they not? And. I would say, and then people argue uh, at the point of, is it cultural hegemony? And I would say that I don't think you can look at the vocabularies used by power, the vocabularies used in media, and say that that, uh, in the constant cultural uh, dialogue between acceptable and unacceptable principles, between virtuous and, and, uh, and villainous ideas, that broadly the left is the center of the terms in culture. But that doesn't mean what people want it to mean or what they think it means when they talk about power, because while this is political, it is political in the sense that all culture is political, all politics is culture, and neither one of them are connected to power anymore. That is the thing. All of this left-right conflict is happening detached from power. Power is being executed by the algorithm behind the scenes. The constant whirring, buzzing, crunching machine sound you hear is the conveyor belt moving without anyone holding the fucking gears, anyone tending to any of it. What we're all doing instead is arguing about a political space and with political terms around a political spectacle 
that is at every level detached because while we might argue about this stuff, the only real decisions of merit of matter uh, that matter are being made by algorithms within vastly powerful and intricate institutions of literal uh, uh, economic planning. That's what capitalism is. And it does not need us. It needs us to consume, right here anyway, in America, it needs us to consume and to create an infrastructure to facilitate consumption. And so as part of that, we have to walk around thinking that we're participating in a system. We have to believe in it. And so we are spending our last few wasps of belief participating in this increasingly uh, tribalized politics. Meanwhile, the thing happens behind the scenes. Because people say... uh, Because people want to say, like, this means the left has succeeded or it's an, or it won or something. This is what it wanted. The left is not a coherent system, a, a coherent uh, a movement with power, with an orientation to power. It is individuals with self de- uh, self-definitions as customers. Now, in that pursuit, they might do some left shit. They might start a union at their workplace. They might uh, join an org that does a campaign. They might help elect somebody to office. They might change the tenor of discussion of issues. They might even get some things done in terms of laws and and, uh, uh, getting union contracts and whatnot. But they're not doing it as part of a project. They're doing it as a bunch of people expressing their preferences in the marketplace. And the antithesis that could challenge capitalism will have to be something else. Will have to be lashed together through bonds that transcend self-interest. So, I don't know. That might have just been like just totally a self-suck. But I do think it's useful because people get stuck, I know I do, on questions of uh, of basic superstructure and of how how things move. Like the the machinery doesn't just go on its own. Like we, we move it with our actions every day because we choose to participate in it. And that participation creates... Changing and evolving understandings of the world that change our relationship to it and change our actions, even though we're within these structures. And the way I think of it is, is that you've got this, you know, uh, this line, this, this, this cable, and then you've got the current running through it. And that is all of us living within the iron armature of uh, the system. And of course, at that point, I once again stall out. What do you do with that information? I, uh, 
keep your eye, nose to the grindstone once again. Keep your eyes on the prize, which is not online. It's every day there's an, a chance that it could be the day that your life changes. And that's uh, it's certainly a cop-out, but I think it's less dishonest than, than maintaining a kayfabe of, uh, of consequence. Uh, I would love to do soft power for China. It really does look like woke Cold War is uh, on the offing, which is pretty great. Did you uh, see that a there's a Uyghur uh, like wing of Al Qaeda that the uh, was involved that's been involved in Afghanistan since the fucking uh, since nine eleven before nine eleven, and which uh, the U.S. military waged a offensive specifically against in 2018 in Afghanistan, has now been taken off of the state spot, uh, the terrorist watch list. It's no, and it's no longer a terrorist group. I mean, fuck. I don't really think there's going to be a war, but you certainly see how uh, the momentum in both parties, this is where it's very important, uh, is towards some sort of confrontation of China. And it really is interesting. Like, uh, there was this spurious case that Trump was like an anti-interventionist. Remember that Trump counted as as a, as the peace candidate, and there are a bunch of people who say that's still true because they're convinced that Hillary Clinton would have like gone to war in Syria if she'd been in charge. And I mean, you know, who knows? But on the big question that's on the horizon of China, the one that really matters, uh, on that one. Bush and Biden are on the same page. And there is a totally coherent, broad, right-wing, Q-pilled argument for why we got to go to war with China, just as there is a a woke, uh, pink-washed one. Uh, And, I mean, look at the way that, that, look at Ben Garrison to understand how, if you get another right-wing government in there, that they're not going to, cool down the the rhetoric about China, it's only going to continue ratcheting up, is that he always has uh, Xi, like as a, as a demonic uh, eminence gris behind Biden and stuff. Uh, and, and that's, it's dumb, but it's coherent, you know. Look at this communist country that wants to undermine America. Uh, they have all this money, and look, uh, our Democrats have been uh, selling them our debt and all this. And, uh, and, you know, you can just pull out yellow peril stuff. And then you got Biden talking about how we need to win the competition for the 21st century, which is insane. And that's why no politics that's uh, fixated on, on tracking like momentum and influence within the two party system is, is, uh, is worth anyone's time as anything other than a as a entertainment like like uh, keeping up with the ball scores because at the real points of the the real consequential issues and like the conflict with China that shit is like at the very tip top because not only is that that's the that's more than anything the framework for the continued uh, continued justification for our military structure uh, it's also 
a genuine live resource contest like we had during the first Cold War. Uh, and it's ideologically charged too. Now, there's not going to be a war, I don't think, but there's going to be a continued ratcheting of of uh, hostility to create like this conditions of a war minus the actual cat- catastrophic conflict. And that is it. That's going to be the interest of both parties. It's all amenable to both sides. It really is frustrating because, like, the best the best interest of the world would be some sort of fucking just just make a just somebody make an offer. Just let me buy somebody else out. Like, do a merger, and then maybe we can act cooperatively to prevent the absolute worst catastrophic effects of uh, of climate change. But that's not going to happen for a bunch of reasons. It is amazing. It's it's very cheap cheesy to think about, but in a real sense, because we have so many so much tech, so much uh systemic uh technological infrastructural capitalist development, there's so much that we could we could reprogram. Like obviously you need to change a lot of things structurally, but there's a lot of stuff that could be done just like with a fucking software upgrade. But we would need to we would need to want to do that, and we don't want to do it because we have given up on the, the idea of anything else. Now, that's understandable. Yeah, we need a socialism damn mother bishing uh, upgrade. Waiting for a messiah. Well, I mean, the thing is, 
we will all we're all the Messiah. As dumb as that sounds, like the second coming isn't going to be uh, Jesus coming back. It's going to be that moment, that feeling of Jesus coming back. Not just obviously Jesus, you know, in 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 that uh, in the cultural context, that feeling, what, what people think they're talking about when they talk about it, but it's not reserved for Christians. And the real Messiah was, in fact, the friends we made along the way, and heaven is a place on earth. I really do believe that. Like it is, it's amazing. What are we doing to the earth? We are turning the earth into a place that is incredibly infernally hot, right? That's what our collective sin, our failure to recognize each other as humans and cooperate and instead compete against each other and exploit is literally turning the earth into an inferno, a fiery hot place without any uh, of the pleasures of life to be found. Perhaps a a geographical or geological hell of some kind. And what does uh, what would a what would a true post scarcity society look like? A world where where we have equitably distributed the alienations of life, maximized people's social uh, rea- maximized. Uh, saturated uh, people's lives with social meaning and intimacy, not at anyone else's expense, but for a mutual, uh, for fully mutual reinforcing benefit. What would that world look like? You imagine it. What is it? What is, what other sort of uh, uh, mythological concept comes to mind? Being in a place like that, with access to all kinds of technologies that can be used at your whim, where everyone is your friend, everyone is your intimate, where you never feel disharmony or fear of violence to yourself, where death isn't real because you have, by, by virtue of living in this, in this bosom, you have transcended your fiction of ego to the point where you're no longer terrified of losing this life that you understand is ephemeral that you that where death is a lightening up rather than a, t- a turning down of light where where death is like going through a door a, a fucking golden door to a a reunion with a cosmic oneness after living this time this seemingly endless time of spiritual and uh, intellectual engagement and love with nothing else. What does that sound like? So these things, heaven and hell, we're making them every day on earth. We're making uh, parts of heaven, hell and parts, heaven of uh, parts of earth, hell parts of it, heaven, the heavens for some is the hell for others. So yeah, like the second coming, that these these are all essentially secular concepts, and that they are happening in the material world, and it's a battle that's being fought in the material world. 
But those ideas, heaven, hell, right and wrong, love and hate and fear and all that, those ideas are how we imagine them as they're happening. How we tell a story to ourselves that moves us through the world that we find ourselves in, which we have to do. You cannot rely on pure sensory uh, perception of the world. You have to tell a story to yourself. You have to tell a story that is a fiction by definition to get one foot in front of the other. Now, some fictions correspond to other people's fictions enough to create a system that can cooperate between people. And the more people have the same understanding and the more pragmatically functional it is at distributing pleasure and minimizing pain, the more effective it is at operating. There will always be social sociopaths, sure, of course. But do you really think it's a it's a it's a uh, do you think one that sociopaths is a stable number of the population, and two that sociopathy can be defi- can be uh, like corralled into one group of people who like test positive for it? No, it's a spectrum of uh, it's a spectrum of behavior based on a spectrum of individual. Uh, Delusion of isolation. And it's distributed through the society as the society reinforces it. I mean, yes, we have a system now where sociopathy is not even encouraged system-wide. It is brought to the top. Like I was just talking about. Even, you don't even have... You have a smaller and smaller number at the top of even, like, well-intentioned monsters. There used to be well-intentioned monsters at the top of our fucking society. Like, I would say uh, Lyndon Johnson is a good example of a well-intentioned monster. Those people are gone. There are just pure, unalloyed reptilians. Because no one who could believe in this shit has access to power anymore. Living the life of wealth and elite and elite proximity to power strips you of the experience of humanity. And so, and and proximity to power strips you of your illusion of um, of um, your illusion of agency. Remember, because. You're up there near power. You're up there with money, but you can't really choose anything. The choice has been made for you. Lyndon Johnson thought that he had the levers of the world at his fucking fingertips. These guys don't. And that means that the only ones who can stay there are the ones who don't give a shit. The ones who have purely uh, are worshiping at like a demonic temple of the South.
I mean, the closest thing you have to belief at the top of our social order right now is the Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, stellar capitalism thing, which is literally about detaching from the mass of mud-blooded uh, uh, neurotypical humanity and recreating a, a new uh, human order among the meritocrats without any uh, epsilon semi-morons running around to ruin the fun. California ideology, exactly. That's the only remaining belief anything buddy can have in the system because there are enough charlatans and frauds around who can sound smart, who can trick these guys who are dumber than them uh, but who have more money than them into believing it when they tell them, yeah, yeah, we can make you live on forever on Mars, absolutely. 100%. None of these people, these people all have convinced themselves that they're geniuses and that they see, they see as Peter Thiel said, that death is an ideology. And the reason that they see that is because they've had their fucking checkbooks open for every fucking uh, uh, techno king and scientist to come running to their teeth. And these are people who have more intelligence than it takes to fucking get lucky with a uh, payment facilitating uh, software like him and Teal did and certainly can outsmart these dumbasses into thinking, oh, yeah, I have found a ticket out of the human condition. So, yeah, that's the only thing we've got. That's the only thing that anybody believes in at the top is that. And at the bottom, everyone just knows that this system cannot – there's no reason to believe that if you put a quarter in the machine, you're going to get uh, your Snickers bar, you know? Like if you've gone back by too many times and gotten uh, ripped off. <laughs> Don't wanna... And so you're going to stop putting coins in. The coins of like emotional investment, the coins of, uh, of self-motivated action that aren't just about what's in it for you in the near, in the near term, in the, in the, in the very moment and about like postponing pleasure in the now to build something in the future. Well, why would you bother doing that when there's no reason to believe that any of the things you're investing your time and energy into will pay you back or will even exist? And of course, the funny thing is that the real person, the real force driving these maniacs, the buzz, the Musks and the Bezoses, is the grimmel worm tongue of the algorithm itself. It's the computer. It's that. It's it's the logic of proximate maximization speaking to them across uh, uh, the barrier of the of the computer screen. And so, when these guys are floating in space after their fucking. Uh, LE, uh, their landing craft exploded, or they're like choked to death by their robot manservants in their uh, moon ba Mars bases. The only thing left will be the fucking algorithm. Will be the pile of uh, of concentrated capital that will at that point have some rudimentary sort of consciousness. Very much looking forward to Musk on SNL, by the way. That's going to be 
fucking tight. Do you think that Jeff Bezos has ever enjoyed himself? I think that Musk probably has. Like the time that he did the the Egyptian in front of a bunch of people, I think he has moments because he wants to be liked, because he has that that kind of dorky kid insecurity. And so when he, he gets to go on Joe Rogan, I think he's probably happy. And yeah, he's got like a weird... A uh, Zoomer nihilist girlfriend who probably gives him Chinese research chemicals. But Bezos, it seems like just he is a machine. He really does seem like just Skynet in a human body. People say that about Zuckerberg, but Zuckerberg, I think, is so blank and inert that it feels sort of it's its, its own uh, personality. Like, oh, he's so weird that that makes him more human. Whereas Bezos is just, there's nothing there. And he, but he went, we went through the trouble of having an affair which cost him half of his money. Absolutely baffling. What what were his, uh, he had sex that got leaked because he got catfished by uh, Prince Solomon or something. And they were all incredibly, I'm going to see if I can find him. The Zuckerberg, uh, oh no, not Zuckerberg, Bezos. Bezos texts. Oh, right. I love you, alive girl. That's it. (laughs) As opposed to my other girlfriends. Jesus Christ. What a freak. You're alive. You're very alive. That, uh, That is not a thing that you say. To people, if you're normal, you don't comment on the fact that they're not dead. You sort of take that for granted, unless you are yourself so reptilian that any sort of vivacity reads to you as, as, oh my God, you're like Count Dracula walking by Planet Fitness and seeing everybody getting all red in the face and just start slathering like a cartoon dog. I want to smell you. I want to breathe you in. I want to hold you tight. I want to kiss your lips. I love you. I am in love with you. Wow. You know what I want? I want to get a little drunk with you tonight. Not falling down, just a little drunk. I want to talk to you and plan with you. Listen and laugh. I want to plan with you. Oh, baby, can we sit down in front of a couple of date books? Can we get some, can we throw together some splashboards and a, a pitch deck? Good God. Her energy and ideas and competence and spirit turn me on. 
competence. This is just like a very horny uh, uh, performance review. This is like getting sexually harassed by your human resources officer. He keeps talking about wanting to smell her and touch her. Hmm. They're not even together anymore, right? I don't think so. Uh, see, Tiger Woods' texts are kind of – they're human and relatable because he's just such a fucking dork. Wasn't it all like him trying to be kind of nasty, like, I'm going to bite you or something? Like, girl, I'm going to slap your ass and, and make you do what I want or something? Just like, oh, you're adorable. Well, Tiger Woods, guy who spent his entire childhood practicing chip shots, doesn't really know how to talk to girls. Army Hammer said he wanted to eat somebody, but that's different. Is Charlie... Did Army Hammer actually eat somebody? Because the thing about him is he's not just an actor. He is the actual scion of the Armand Hammer, uh, I think, petroleum fortune. So if anybody on Earth has the ability to eat somebody, if they really wanted to, it's him. Because you've got to figure that there's some adventurous eaters club for rich people where they eat human flesh, right? Just because we know the stuff that they do do, why wouldn't they do that? Would I eat a person in an ethical situation, which is a huge, huge, uh, uh, a hugely unlikely uh, occurrence, uh, I would probably chew on a person a little bit. Just got, you know, curiosity. But it would have to be, it would have to be humanely procured. And not just like, uh, if somebody asked me to eat them, maybe. And I, and I thought they were very earnest about it. No, no, there's no way I can imagine that human flesh could be procured. Uh, uh, maybe I'd be a lab-grown human. We do eat raw hamburger in Wisconsin. Cannibal sandwiches, baby. I would, I would consider being eaten upon my death. 
maybe I, here's an ethical situation. What if I put in my will that I would be turned into like a Hawaiian luau and be the centerpiece of my own funeral? Like I get tested, make sure I don't have any prions. We don't want to spread uh, Kreutzweil's Jakob, but you know, put me put me in a in a under hot coals in the beach for like six hours with a fucking apple in my mouth, and then just get some of that cracklet. No, I would absolutely not eat chimp meat. No, no, no. No non-human apes at all. I think I'd taste okay. Americans probably don't taste great because of all the chemicals. Because that really does uh, contribute to the flavor. I mean, that's the difference really down to – that's the real difference between like Kobe beef and like uh, America downer cows they make uh, McDoubles out of. It's Yeah, sure, there's lineages, but the real thing is diet. And we eat a bunch of garbage. It probably tastes like – yeah, we taste like plastic and, and uh, corn syrup. Very salty. Oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine? We are American. Americans are tender, so we would have that going for us. But uh, so I think we would have a very good mouthfeel and texture. But I think there'd be a kind of rancid aftertaste that would not. That would not be great. I kind of feel like humans would taste a little bit like ashtrays or like a, yeah, like a cigarette butt. Even though it would be really flavorful and stuff, you know, or, I mean, it'd be very, uh, very moist and juicy. You bite into it and you would just get kind of, yeah, like a, like a bitter, a bitter taste. Ugh. The French probably tastes pretty good. Like in the countryside. Mm. Is it gay to eat a man? Oh, that's a question. Is it man? Is it gay for a guy to eat another guy? Yeah, I bet Italians would be good. Italians tend to be kind of uh, soft too.
Yeah, Mediterraneans, like, you, they want you to eat the Mediterranean diet, right, for health. Well, presumably that would result in a delicious uh, – I would love the idea of, like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, like a Greek Greek guy Greek guy put on one of those the vertical spits, just carving off some fucking gyro with a tzatziki. <laughs> <laughs> damn i'm getting hungry now for human meat okay this was fun i hope some of that made sense i hope uh wasn't too circular because i worry a lot of this is just circular but uh i think it's helpful i don't know Keep thinking about it. Hopefully put it in another format soon. Talk to you guys on Wednesday when we'll, uh, when by then I will have looked at the, uh, the Weimar Republic book and figured out what we want to do for the week after. All right. Bye-bye.